Hi, everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host, Matt. We are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I'm fantastic, Robbie. I sure hope when I go to prison, you'll come to visit me. Uh, that way we can, you know, do the podcast through the, the, the you know, little window thingy with the little phones. We can totally do that, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, sure. Or Definitely. we can pay like $18 a minute uh, to do it over the phone. Well, or uh, or I can replace you with someone who's not oh, in prison. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt. If you go to, like, I'm not going to replace you, but if you go to prison, I will. I'm sorry. It was just... <laughs> okay. And, and if fair, I go fair. to prison, I, I expect the same, okay? You can also replace me. That's okay. I'll, I, I, I think there are a few things that would... Like, if you moved to the Philippines, I'd also replace you. Like, that's too... We're not going to record 12 hours apart. I'm not going to... We're not going to do that. That would be very difficult. Also, I'm, I don't think Philippines internet is quite good enough for long-distance podcasts. It depends where you are in the Philippines, okay? That's um, true. In Manila, it's probably fine. Elsewhere, not so much. Manila probably has, like... Matt, Matt if you're living in the Philippines, I don't expect you to live anywhere but, like, Manila or the outskirts of Manila. <laughs> um, I will not be moving to the Philippines. Let's okay. be clear. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hi, guys. Hello. We are brought to you by supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show for uh, $2 a month. Gain access to all of our bonus episodes. For $5, you gain access to everything. Uh, uncut episodes a few days early, plus our entire back catalog. Every episode that has been fallen off of our main archive, you can find it there. Uh, this week's episode is I Don't Want to Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. Because really, we don't. We, I have, don't, we have zero interest in that I whatsoever. Just, why, why? Why? Especially why? if it's this guy. Okay, Matt, I'm going to... There are no... Like, any Simpsons episode that has more than six words, I don't... I, you don't... You cut. <laughs> cut. Like, I, this is... This is this is there a are, nine word. This is a nine word long title. It's too long. Uh, mysterious, like like mysterious voyage of Homer, like Homer's enemy. Bart sells his soul. Lisa substitute. Like two words, three words. Why on earth do we need to have? We can't. Like we can't. Why don't? Can, why can't the episode of this title just be like? Why can't the title just be Marge befriends a convict? No, nothing. That would work perfectly. Well, I mean, Marge is scared of a convict, so you know it'd be tough. Because I mean, Marge has befriended convicts before, but this one she's scared of and doesn't want to talk to. There's so multiple. She's Marge befriended. She's she's befriended convicts in prison. She's she's befriended convicts straight out of prison, and this is the first time she's she's befriended a convict going into prison. I think that's true. I mean, I'm pretty sure that Bob's Burger episode was based on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um. Episode JBF19, originally aired October 14, 2007, written by Dana Gould, directed by Bob Anderson, received a 5 rating with 7.5 million viewers. The chalkboard gag, I am not an FDIC-insured bank. That's, I, hey, I, that's not bad. I like that. That's a return to form. That is, that is an important disclosure and also a great chalkboard gag. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's nice. That's something that could, that, you know, that, that invokes, that's evocative. Um, the couch gag. Yeah, I mean... You can also say something like, anytime you get a funny disclaimer, just make Bart put it on a chalkboard. Uh, I have not been known by the state of California to cause cancer and lab rats. There you go. That's perfect. Perfect. Uh, the couch gag, Homer, Marge, Bart, and Lisa sit on the couch. The scene expands and shows Maggie playing with a dollhouse. She picks up Homer and places him as her pacifier. Also, a lovely little couch gag. A little, mm -hmm. a little fun, a little fun little couch gag. Um, they were so, firing on at least two cylinders for this episode. Hey, Matt, I'll say it right now. Uh huh. I'll take it. I'll take I it. I know. I was. I was so. I, okay, we'll get to it. But I, I will also say that I was really waiting for this to be terrible, and it's not bad. No. So go ahead. There, sorry, sorry. Yes. So guest stars: Steve Buscemi as Dwight, and Steve Buscemi 
carries this episode. He he, <laughs> he really does. He needs to go. He's going to have to go to the doctor uh, for his back because his back and shoulders because he shouldered a heavy burden in this episode and he carried like that's if you ever if you ever wondered folks at home you or in your you're not you're probably not at home but you know what i mean if you ever wondered how good steve shemmy is as an actor he made a he his own his presence made a season 19 simpsons episode half decent that's all it took it's just steve shemmy that's all there well and also not playing himself Yes. So we have harped upon again yeah. and again. Yes. He's playing a Simpson type character. Yes. Um, we have Ted Nugent as himself, very briefly, thankfully. Uh, I'm so glad that he appeared for literally a single scene and then vanished on the phone. We don't even see him. Thank goodness. We don't even see Ted Nugent, which I'm even more thankful for. And strangely enough, Julia Louis Dreyfus reappears as Gloria for a single scene as well. Well, it's because there was no humor in the actual plot, probably, so they had to bring in the weirdest things possible to make get some humor out of this, I guess. I would I would call this episode half decent, but I would also call this episode very strange and very airy. Kind of very uh, very yes. blo- very bloated. There's a lot of there's a lot of holes that, you, that the wind blows through and makes funny sounds. <laughs> yes. And I mean again, I, I think I you know, if you told me I get this every time, I'd probably go, Okay. You know, it's for season nineteen. They'd be like, "All right, if that's the 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 deal with the devil, I have to make. I'll do it." Um, we begin the episode with Bart getting uh, dressed up by Marge. Um, Homer doesn't really know why. Uh, I entitled this clip: "Homer is the worst." Oh, Bart, looking good. <laughs> well, I have to look good for tomorrow. Right. Tomorrow. Homer, you do know what tomorrow is. Think, think. I'm not thinking, you think. You have to think it's your job. You have to think it's your job. You little... Homer, Lisa is receiving the Student of the Millennium Award at school. To be fair, the millennium just started, so it's not that big a deal. But they're giving it to me. (laughs) You have to be there. You miss way too many precious moments in the children's lives. What? Name 12. Well, just this week, there's been field day, picking me up from the airport, and the father-daughter dance. Lisa, if you like, I'm certified to conduct a mock father-daughter conversation. Just dance. Homer, you cannot miss Lisa's big day. And you have to come sober. American sober or Irish sober? 0.08 sober. 0. 0.15. 0. 0.09. 0.10 with a stomach full of bread. My final offer. <laughs> Good night, sweetheart. So, I appreciate that this is an inciting incident. Uh, a lot of times we have to have one to get where we are going. Uh, and, and as we will see, this one's not that bad. But the jokes they try and wring out of it are just nonsensically awful. Like, for those of you who didn't hear, uh, I haven't watched this episode, at the end there, Homer takes a pint of beer and a baguette out of his end table to put next to his bed. Like, why? Is that supposed to be funny? He, he, I think so, Matt. I think that is that is supposed to be funny. I can't confirm that. I think the intent is humor in that instance. I Homer thankfully falls away in the in the latter two thirds of this episode. It becomes the Mar, it becomes about Marge and Dwight. And I, I think I'm honest. I'm honestly, I think that is the reason I like this episode more. 
is that Homer is in only a little bit of it. I and I like I can't I can't discount that. <laughs> the presence of Homer at this point actively makes episodes worse. So we only get like there's still lame humor later on, but because it's not delivered in the most obnoxious way possible yeah yeah the most <laughs> annoying way possible it makes it you're you go okay that wasn't funny but eh. it's not homer literally just yelling at you because that is what this effectively is homer just yelling i'm bad i'm terrible at life i'm a monster just over and over again like oh i need to be drunk to go to my daughter's uh award presentation you know like and not just drunk really drunk i mean a point one is not too bad you know like it's drunk but it's not sloppy not for homer probably um his tolerance is probably pretty high at this point i do like the lisa and the little gag with skinner lisa's just dance really that's i i like that i like that bit i like the like i like the lisa character stuff here early on where lisa's like yeah i know it's just early on in the millennium but i'm getting the award like that her being happy about getting an award her telling Skinner, just dance. Like, that's funny. Um, I don't really like the circumstances around it, but at this point, man, I have to find the diamonds in the rough. You know, you're not wrong. I mean, I, the Homer stuff, I think, distracted me from that being a decent oh, it's, bit. The Homer, just... the Homer stuff's terrible. Uh, luckily, like I said, it, it, it basically stops right after this next couple scenes. Because here is the inciting incident. Homer uh, wakes up the next day, and gets dressed i actually i do like this sight gag i'll say that too there's a sight gag here where homer is half awake and he's getting ready to go uh out to this award show and he puts on it he puts on maggie as a tie so like with like it's very silly but i kind of do find it funny <sighs> okay do you say so Maybe I'm just in a generous mood because Elden Ring is coming out today and I get to play a video game. Um, <laughs> Maybe. And I was just, man, I talked only about video games before we started recording. So, um, Marcia, Homer shows up to the to the event two hours early, which I'm not surprised they have the doors open that early. But, you know, gets a good seat. Gets front row, baby. Yeah. Uh, we get some those, terrible gags with the bullies. The bullies show up. We get some gags about the award season and it's kind of it there's a lot of this where it's just kind of like stuff surrounding scenes where they like extend these scenes out you're like there's no need to see any of this stuff and i don't think any of these jokes like really land I hard like enough the jokes were were it doesn't feel like the jokes were part of the actual episode they got done right in the episode and we're like oh crap we we forgot jokes uh all right let's have some cutaway gags with animation so we can just have this happening inside and record the voices over it this i don't know there are well you there are definitely moments that are uh added on there's some definitely some gags added in later but yeah. i would also add that i don't know dwight carries like even with the jokes they're all on dwight uh mostly laughing at dwight really um and steve buscemi having to basically accentuate his performance to try and get some humor out of things um which i work sometimes um homers are early marge however is stuck at the bank um which i I like this. I like the scene. I like it before, even before the robbers make their appearance. Really, I like Marge standing in line and trying to. She even says in her internal monologue, "Like, oh, I have all this time with my thoughts," and then she just goes right back to dwelling on being angry, at being having to wait 
and i'd like i can I it's can, hard that's so realistic i can understand that where it's very much like i try and be patient but i'm just a maniac uh we all are and we have to stay in the long line so mars is in line waiting at the bank homer calls her uh but then we realize that and, and you, if you're eagle-eyed you can see you can see uh dwight who just literally is just drawn like steve buscemi they don't he looks like steve buscemi which not bad i i mean here i'm gonna say this too Steve Buscemi already looks like a Simpsons character. Yeah, he fits in perfectly. All he needed was yellow skin, and boom, there you go. Yeah, there he is. Uh, you can see him there before if you're really paying attention, but then he makes his present known. That old man over there isn't even making a transaction. He just wants someone to talk to. Before this was the Bank of Springfield, this was the Midwest Savings and Loan. And before that, it was an abandoned theater. And before that, it was a theater. Where's Dr. Kevorkian when you need him? Well, if I know doctors, he's probably golfing. <laughs> Excuse me for a moment. <gasps> Everyone down on the floor, now! This is a robbery! Uh, not a separate robbery, we're together. You mean like a couple? No. Yes! Oh, great. We're being robbed by Johnny and Clyde. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from that button. Damn it! Uh, nothing like more gay jokes, huh, Robbie? Um, I mean, Agnes, uh, here, I, Agnes is a monster. I think we can... We have established that, yes, but Agnes, everyone else laughs at us. Agnes is, well, I'm gonna say, here, Matt, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, here, I'm gonna try and be generous, okay? I'm gonna have you open, are being real generous today. I'm, I'm just in a good mood. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to open up my, my generosity, my kindness, and say that her joke is just a play on words. It's not, instead of Bonnie and Clyde, it's Johnny and Clyde. There's no race, there's no, there's no uh, homophobic slurs here. There's, you know, they don't, <laughs> they don't openly insult the the idea of being gay. The, the joke is merely, oh, instead of a lady and a man robbing them, it is two men who are in a relationship. And it doesn't make a value judgment on gay people, okay? I'm gonna. It doesn't. That's true. You're right. You're right. So it's, okay. It's, so it's it's lazy more so than yeah. It's uh, just laughing at wordplay, which I'm okay with. And the fact it never becomes a focal point ever again. They never make some subtle, subtle gag about if if in fact this does imply that they are in an on again off again relationship. These two guys because they don't agree. <laughs> one says yes, and one I, says no. The other, the other guy just wanders off or runs off halfway through the robbery, and we never see him again. So at least there's that. Yes, exactly. But I mean, the the fact that we just have he is, if he is gay, there's just a gay character, you know. And he, the rest of the plot does not involve him being gay at all. Okay, it's just him being a psychopath, <laughs> like being yeah. a criminal, not hom- homosexual. So I'm gonna say that this isn't offensive. It's it's, you know it, what you're it, right it's not offensive it's just not funny to it's me. not very it's not very funny but there's a lot of things in this episode that aren't very funny matt you can't be upset oh, boy, about all of them true. um i'll take oh watch me i'm great at holding the grudge <laughs> i was gonna I just, this is the, i just want to make the excuse to pull out the, the scott's scott's ruined scotland joke uh he just made it enemy for life um uh, <laughs> uh but so there's a stick up we have the t- the two robbers here at this point in the bank. Uh, they they want the money, um, and Marge is being held hostage there. Um, 
Homer calls her, and she's in the midst of being robbed when he calls. Uh, Homer's the worst. I, I thought about including this clip, but no, Homer's the worst. No one needs to hear it anymore. Um, because at this point, basically, we don't see them. We, we don't really see Homer much anymore for the rest of most of the rest of this episode after this point, which I am very thankful for. Um, Gil dies. <laughs> oh, I totally forgot about Gil getting shot like 400 Gil, times. Gil is, yeah. a, Gil is the new security guard, apparently, for the bank. And he walks in, and the partner, Dwight's partner, we don't think get his name, he just opens fire with a rifle on Gil and shoots him probably a dozen times. Uh, and he would absolutely be dead. We we think he's dead. Uh, he's Gil apparently I mean, he is... shot a lot. I'm gonna, Here, I'm going to make this statement, Matt. I think Gil is a supernatural entity. It does seem like that. He seems like a ghost that everyone has just agreed exists and is really annoying. So they just kind of try not to interact with him as much I'm, as possible. Like, oh, I'm, yeah, he got shot. All well, right. I'm going to say Gil is established as the suffering character, right? He, no matter what he does, he fails at. He always is terrible at every job he's taken. Um, he's always poor and, and struggling. I think that Gil has been either either he uh like made a bet with some sort of fey or demonic entity uh and lost and therefore he has been obligated into this existence where no matter he cannot die like literally his whole hmm. life is if if he dies he just comes back he's reincarnated he comes it back to himself yes yeah ground it's a groundhog day as a situation i think it's just gil just doesn't oh. have the charm of phil connor's so he's just constantly suffering he's just never he's never allowed to die so sure he gets killed here but he'll be back tomorrow it'll be fine he'll wake up with some song playing on the radio that we recognize after a while <laughs> um but gil oh. is absolutely killed here this moment gil's dead there is not even a doubt in my mind um at this point, he literally has a bullet bullet hole in every part of his body. Yeah, there is not a part of him that does not have a bullet in it. The partner to Dwight runs away at this point, jumps out the window and runs away because he didn't expect to have to kill anyone. Um, Marge now calls Homer to say goodbye to him because she, she thinks she is going to die. Uh, this is the part where I can't. This is the part where Steve, Steve Buscemi makes himself known because I don't think Dwight is particularly like he's written i don't think he's written that strongly uh he he's it's it, it's a character that i don't know like there is a mild amount of empathy i have for dwight after you know after a while you get a mild oh, yeah. amount like throughout all of this he seems like he's trying his best not to you know get too violent with this and just fails repeatedly and he's really and that there, there's some sympathy there and he's also he's also i think like gil even he's just very bad at this He's very bad at this, and when you, and, and because I think there's, and Steve Buscemi's performance kind of delivers a certain level of humanity in this, and he's playing, Steve Buscemi's kind of playing, a, like, his character from Fargo, even. Like, this pathetic criminal who is, like, the Fargo character is more of a sociopath, who's quite happily kills people without even thought. This character is a little softer, but still, it's just, they're not good at their job. Like, they're, at a, being a criminal, they're bad at it. Uh, and it's kind of, there's just, like, kind of an empathy develops because you're, like, watching a guy try and struggle and fail. Uh, there is a bit here where everything is a die pack. Like, he tries to grab money 
Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Matt, I'm going to, maybe, here, this may be. My goodness. Maybe this is, like, totally targeted at your humor more so than mine. <laughs> maybe I'm just in a good mood today. I don't know, but, <laughs> like I said, after we finish recording, I'm going to have pizza, and I'm going to be playing a video game all night. So, that's a pretty good night for me, despite how bad the world is right now. But, I laughed at the die pack stuff. I thought I la- I laughed uh. multiple times in this episode. It was so stupid. I'm not. It is a very stupid gag where he just touches. Like there's a teller who explodes. It's so stupid. I laughed. I don't know. It just got me today. Maybe it's. I think also part of it is Steve Buscemi's is Dwight's reaction to it, where he just he is so he's so upset. It has, I think, even here, I think I can maybe relate it this way. It has that that outrage and anger that is similar to Frank Grimes, where it is just, it ex- like, he's just angry. <laughs> it's, and it's so angry that it, it makes me laugh. I don't know. Um, there, he, he's, he's bad at his job. Eventually, the cops show up. And here, the, you want an example of the lame jokes, Matt. Here, I'm with you on this one. There is a okay. long scene here where the cops are outside, and now Homer is there, the family shows up, and they're trying to negotiate with Dwight, and they literally watch, they like spend probably a minute long scene, oh. it having getting the first, waiting for the DVD of a DVD copy of the negotiator show, showing up, mm-hmm. and then putting it into like a little tiny DVD player, or laptop or something. And then going over the chapter selections to find the spot where they can watch the movie and get some tips. And there's literally a moment here where Wiggum just reads chapters from The Negotiator, starring Kevin Spacey and Samuel L. Jackson. And it's like, guys, that's, not, that's not a joke. Uh, guys. <laughs> everything involving Wiggum in this episode made me want to throw something at the screen, quite it's, frankly. It's, like, it's, it, there's a lot. I don't, mm, I don't mind some of the stuff later on. I think this is terrible. Um but apparently the cops are just about to shoot and kill this guy which considering there's already someone been killed eh fair play um marge real oh, oh sorry oh okay real quick. Whoa, whoa, I, I almost whoa. forgot there was a scene i really appreciated that we're about to escape past and i, I want to make sure i don't know when marge first calls homer uh-huh. uh, to say goodbye one i feel like julie kevin did a really good job with that there seemed to be like real genuine emotion uh in her uh, her voice and she just really uh nailed it and I want to say that when Homer first picks up the phone, he starts going on and on about the fact that, oh, he's there on time and Marge is not and whatever. But the second Homer hears that Marge is in trouble, unlike a lot of Teen Years episodes, he immediately switches into concerned husband mode. And I know this is a very low bar to have to clear, but I just really appreciated the fact that Julie Carter did a great job acting like Marge is sad and panicked and wanting to say goodbye. And Homer, Dan Castelletta, just jumps in and immediately goes into concerned husband mode. Like, oh, no, uh, you know, I need to be a, a normal person in this and express concern. And I, I want my wife to be OK. And that felt like a more human interaction that than Homer has had in seasons long. And it's I just wanted to point that out. See, this, this episode has some things going for it. Um, it does. It does. So. We uh the the hostage crisis here is coming to a head, and the cops are probably just gonna go are gonna kill Dwight. Mars realizes this, I think, and is tr- tries to talk Dwight into giving himself up. 
Oh, man, oh, man. What the hell's taking them so long? They must be getting ready to kill me. It's no fair. I shouldn't die. I just came here to check the date. Oh, no. <clears throat> Dwight, use your noodle. If you surrender now, you're only looking at a few years in jail. I'll tell them you're a good guy. Marge, I can't go back to prison. I've got no wife. I've got no family. I've got nothing. If I give myself up, will you come visit me in the joint? Hey, if I can say yes to Chinese toys that kill kids, you can say yes to him. Okay, I'll visit you, Dwight. I was afraid I was going to lose you. Oh. Now let me help you make your slow transition back to society. I just want to go home. You have a new home now with us. <sighs> See you soon, Marge. Real soon. Just like you promised. <laughs> <laughs> Was the, was the insane laughing really necessary? <laughs> that just seems weird. I'm here, here. This is the other thing. Um, it's not. This episode is not a. I think one of our listeners. Uh, let me look down. Benjamin in our in our comments from the news group mentioned he he points out that this doesn't really feel like a Simpsons episode, and I think there is a tr certain truth to that because it's so. This episode has so much Dwight in it. And it's at this point, this is the end of Act One. We are basically it's the Dwight and Marge show. That's all that their their other characters make appearances, and there's lots of side characters doing stuff. But it focuses a lot on Marge, but also a lot on Dwight, who is literally a one-off character by Steve Buscemi, who we'll never see again. So, and and Dwight is very strange, and I think that is what is throwing throws you off when you watch this episode like if you're a simpsons fan you watch this you're like wait a minute why are we watching so much dwight like and i kind of find it refreshing honestly uh and it is strange here like he's suddenly laughing like a maniac dwight is not a good person i think that is the thing like i think they really like this is one of those characters where like if it was not steve buscemi doing it you probably lose some of that nuance but that's why it also doesn't quite feel like a Simpsons episode because Dwight is not really likable. He is there. There is empathy. He's for an him. interesting character. Yeah, and like you, you feel uh, you feel bad at how his life has turned out and what he is doing. But he's not like I said. He's not likable. He's like a few of the characters on Breaking Bad. You don't really want to see them succeed. No, but also so like that laughter kind of you know I think it does deepen the fact that oh no Dwight is not healthy. Something's wrong with Dwight, uh, but also m we're about to get a lot of Marge not wanting to go see Dwight. And I think that laughter is just that to like leave us with like, hey, make us feel like Marge feels. And I think it's effective, honestly. You know, I hear that laughter and him yelling at her as she drives away. No, I wouldn't want to go visit that guy either. I get it. So I don't mind it. Um, we got a commercial nine minutes, 45, 46 seconds. Excuse me. And when we come back. Uh, we get to see a scene uh, of Marge. Uh, Dwight is now in prison, and uh, he, uh, basically Marge is feeling 
anxious at the idea of going to see him. And so she starts coming up uh, with excuses not to go see him because I guess we're just skipping to the point where he's been in jail for a while and, you know, he's been sentenced. He's in, he's in prison, not in jail. He's in prison. And so Marge can go see him, but there's lots of reasons not to. Okay. He gave you a word. You're going to visit him. No excuses. Ooh, Shlomo's Judaic is having a blowout on dreidels. All right, this time I'm going. I'm really going to visit a bank robber. The man who held a gun on me. Going to see him in prison where guards will frisk me, pothing my purse, and... Ooh, there's apple picking just up the road. So yes, Marge is using any excuse to not go see Dwight. Uh, meanwhile... Uh, Dwight is extremely excited about her visiting. Um, I guess he was being honest in the fact that he really, really was concerned about not having anyone. And he's constantly looking forward to her uh, coming to see him. Uh, I believe this is where we get the weird scene with Snake and Gloria. Because Snake is obviously in prison because he's he's a lifelong criminal. Uh, And Marge did not see Dwight, as we know. Uh, so we get Julia, Julia Louis-Dreyfus as Gloria uh, threatening to kill somebody and throw them in a lake uh, along with Snake's lawyer. So, yeah, OK, that's that's weird. Uh, I mean, she's unnecessary and kind of out of place. I mean, say what, what was that? What is that phrase? Mate? How would you describe it? Unnecessary and out of place, you say? Uh huh. There's a lot of stuff <laughs> that is that like it's that's like, a this episode is not. Like I'm not calling this episode good. Like I say, it half half decent is as generous as I'm gonna be. The pro like, and those are the things that bring this thing down. Is like this long scene with Gloria and Snake talking. Why? Like, is this supposed to? Like, yes, Dwight is sad because no one's visiting him. Okay, I get it. You couldn't have like an innocuous, like, or even let's say funny scene. There's no jokes well, yeah, here. I was thinking how uh, like a, a, a old school Golden Year Simpsons episode way of doing this. It's like, oh, you want to show that everyone is getting to visit her except for Dwight. So you bring back a whole bunch of people. Snakes, they're getting a visit from Glory, but we don't hear what they're saying. You saw Sideso so Bob getting to visit from Birch Barlow or something like that. You just see all the people that we have known that have gone to prison over and over again. Maybe Moe's in there for some reason. Uh, and you can just show that everyone is getting to visit her except for, uh, except for Dwight. You don't need to have this long scene with Snake and Gloria. It's just it's like Julia Louis Dreyfus stopped by and they're like, oh, my God, this is perfect. We we have somebody in jail. So you're you're Snake's girlfriend. It just it doesn't fit. And it's weird. No. Yeah. There's not. There's not, it's not funny. I think honestly, like that's it, there. There's a lot of things in here that are just there's this scene. There's stuff like later on with the itchy, the itchy and scratchy cartoon and uh, the, the the bits at like at the amusement park and. Like it's just really like the early or stuff earlier with Homer and going to the the concert early and it ex- extended on with like the bullies and you're like why like like it it when I think of even in this episode which is I think probably I would say probably our best season nineteen episode so far um that's off the top of my head there is the, these are the things where I'd go the differences where a golden a golden years episode is dense like every single moment is filled with stuff it, with jokes with humor. And stuff that fits yeah uh, in a way that this is not no and it but it feels yeah. necessary everything is like everything adds depth and jokes and humor and character and it's just it's just everything's additive 
this stuff feels like you could cut it and nothing would change. Uh, and that's it drags the episode down a little bit. Um, not enough for me to get upset, I guess. It's just kind of just like, oh, okay. No, hey, another thing I'm going to say, Matt. No, uh, I I'm, I defended the 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 joke about Johnny and Clyde earlier. I don't think there's uh-huh. anything in this episode that's actually offensive. Anything anything problematic. You're right. You're right. I was a little uh, hair trigger shy after several of the. Previous I mean, episodes, to be fair, so. after we've what we've gone through, it's like we're like it. Not like this is a thing I think about a lot. It's like we're uh, we're like the hobbits at the end of Lord of the Rings, like the four of us, two of us have gone through it's you and you're you're uh i'm frodo you're samwise and we just get, got back from mordor uh we went through hell and you know we're back in the shire and everyone is like everything's normal and everyone's like yeah more the war's over etc and but we're like just kind of weary and tired and we all look at each other and it, it, well, anyway, it's like war changes you. Uh, it no. happened to the hobbits and it's happened to us. <laughs> yeah, the Simpsons, the Simpsons happened to us. Um, but you know, you're we're you know, get after a while. You're like you're waiting for it. You know, you're like, what are they gonna do? What kind of joke are they gonna make? What blah blah blah. But no, there's not. It's there's, there's nothing in that in this episode. It's it's pretty. It's a little dull, I think, but aside, but aside from that. That's fair. That's fair. More than a little, okay. even. <laughs> <laughs> All right, getting back to the episode, we'll, we'll, we'll see more of these as they come through. Uh, so as we saw, Marge uh, decides to go apple picking to make pies for everybody at the prison because it would be unfair to only bring them for Dwight. Uh, then she refilaments all the light bulbs, which I'm pretty sure it was mostly a CFL affair by the time this episode came out, but whatever. Uh, and then when the phone rings, uh, fearing that it's Dwight, which it is, Marge throws the phone in the disposal. And then when that doesn't destroy it, she says, lousy, reliable foreign phones. I just, okay. Um, but wah, when Marge actually, <laughs> yeah, Marge picks up the phone. Uh, Dottie hears that she's there and then proceeds to hang up on her. <sighs> so, uh, I, I I was did did, did you just call him Donnie? <laughs> did you? Sorry, not Donnie. Dwight. Just, you, I don't know. Did, did you watch Big Lebowski the other night? <laughs> Maybe. That's... Oh wow, yeah, because it's it's in the notes too. <laughs> Maybe I was thinking about my cat. I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. Donnie oh, is God. Donnie is Stephen Chevy's character in in Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski yeah. So it's... No, no. It... all right. Anyway. <laughs> So, uh, in another uh, bit of um, procrastination, Marge watches an old movie, uh, a black and white movie, about poor Johnny Stabo. We now return to A Kiss Before Frying. It's almost midnight. They'll be coming soon, Johnny. Coming to take you to the electric chair. I ain't afraid of old Sparky, the hot seat, the kilowatt couch, the death davenport, the electric lap, the quick cooker, the scorch stool. I ain't afraid, see? No, Johnny, I don't see. You're going straight to hell, you know. I ain't afraid, because my sainted ma is coming to visit before I go. And when I sit down in the jolt throne, I'll be looking into ma's sweet face as my tongue explodes in my mouth and the goo boils in my eyes. Oh, poor Johnny Stavo. It's always important to look into your mother's eyes when you're eyes melt into goo <laughs> so oh so marge is being guilted very heavily uh by this particular movie uh, meanwhile dwight has escaped 
because uh, Marge never came to see him, so he has decided he's going to break out and stalk her, uh, and then manage to do so through an old sewer pipe. Uh, you know, echoes of Shawshank Redemption, which I'll give him credit for. Good background illusion. They don't make any references to it. It's just that's what happens to him. And if you if you know, you know. And if you don't, you don't care. And th- there is a nice little there's a nice little joke here. It's like another little gag here where. Uh, he crawls out through the sewer pipe, and then he looks over, and there's a pipe that says "clean mountain water" <laughs> or "clean spring yeah. water" or something. That's not, yeah, that's all right. That's okay. I like that. That that I I look at as a as a very cheap, easy gag that's not offensive, and I just like, smile at it. So I'm yeah. not I'm not mad at it or anything. That is fine to me. Yeah. Uh, I also want to point out that they use the Cape Fear music here for him escaping from prison. Perfectly yeah, I mean, fine. It's you want get... to reuse something? That's a great thing to reuse. It's very effective music. I, the my only worry would that they would lapse into it and use it too often. But when, when so often that I mean that music does is all about Bob, you know, escaping and coming after Bart. So use it for another character who's also escaping and coming after March. That's that's fine. It works. It's fine. So, uh, meanwhile, Marge is still watching the movie. Uh, in which they have gotten to the scene where Johnny Stabo gets electrocuted. Uh, his mother is not there, and for some reason, for some reason, the priest asks, asks if he can throw the switch. And he does. So, Johnny Stabo is effectively killed by the priest, uh, and then we get way too long of him zipping and zapping in, in the electric chair, uh, with Marge watching and feeling terrible. Uh, after this, uh, we see that Dwight takes off his prison uniform to reveal normal clothes under, underneath, you know, like like you do in prison. Just wear your normal clothes underneath your prison jumpsuit. Uh, he also has a newspaper that has Marge's address and their alarm code. Like, really? Really? That's that's just seems weird to it's, me. It seems like a... That's fine. That's fine, man. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but that is the end of Act 2. Uh, Donnie has escaped. Or Donnie, Donnie, damn it. <laughs> Dwight has escaped. <laughs> White has escaped. Uh, let's just say Steve Buscemi has escaped from prison and is going after Marge. And we'll see how that resolves in Act 3. And I, hey, that is another thing that they've not been doing for years now, it seems like, where there is actual genuine build to an episode. Like, this has this like it, this has a plot structure that actually makes sense, where the end of first act is, oh, Dwight gets arrested. There's some ominous portent here. Marge needs to go visit him. Okay. Marge doesn't go visit him. He escapes. End of Act 2. Build. Tension. Ah, that's... That is what... That makes... Like, it's like... That makes sense. That is how I would structure it. Where you, like, you build tension in this... In the plot... Through the plot. It's perfect. Uh, we come back. Another... Uh, initiate Scratchy cartoon. I guess this cartoon is fine, but it's very long... And it really it's very long. It's very long, and it's all about Scratchy becoming a successful b- baseball player by taking steroids, and then he gets so big that he gets killed, and that his head gets knocked off basically with a with, by Abraham Lincoln. Um, we had a news report about Dwight's escape. Marge is worried, uh, as she should be, because we get a montage here of her just of Dwight stalking her and he's not really hiding. No, it's like, uh, shouldn't somebody know that he should be, they call the police on him. Uh, because he's literally on the jumbotron at the baseball game and just 
totally everyone's I, cool with that. I, I'm gonna like I think I think this is one of the things, Matt, whereby this is another thing they they kind of they worked for me by playing the Kate Fear music in particular, is it made it feel like Bob. And Bob constantly got out and constantly was threatening the Simpsons, but the cops never did anything. And I feel like it's just the same principle applies, where you could have this, like, he's not technically breaking the law. Except for the fact that he broke out of prison. <laughs> no, well, but he didn't. No, it's it's fine. Um, I don't know. I didn't, Maybe they could have had him, like, instead of breaking out of prison, maybe he got out of prison on the, a technicality. I mean, the cops are so inept, Matt. The cops are so, the Springfield cops are so uh, inept. It's hard for me to, like, at this point. This, like him, Dwight going to jail and then bringing out of prison, is not even the top ten most criminal things that this, like, Homer has committed more criminal acts in the past couple seasons than anything, worse than anything Dwight has done and does in this episode. So it's very hard for I me think, to take it seriously. I think like Gil, uh, that Homer is a, a fake creature uh, of legend, and they're just like, well, we can't punish him. He's not subject to human laws. <laughs> I think that's fair. Uh, we just need to. Have, I just need to have that be textualized. But I just need to have that. Just have a conversation with Wickham and Lou, or Lou and Eddie, even that. Like those two guys can have a conversation. We're like, yeah, yeah. Homer, Homer is a, he's a creature of the Fae. Just have that conversation. <laughs> we can't. <laughs> For a second, I we, thought you meant talk about Dwight and have a conversation. They're like, yeah, that's him. But catching him would require way too much work. So we're just gonna let him go. He I seems mean, like an okay guy. I mean, I don't know. I I don't mind the sequence here. This sequence because it, it builds tension. I think that's the thing. Whenever, like, there's a lot of things in The Simpsons in season 19 that they just hand wave away. As long as it serves the plot, it's like, it makes the episode work at all. I'm okay with it. It's fine. Um, but, and there's some, there's some gags here that I think are actually okay. Like the, the bit at the, they're at a, at a, a sports event and, uh, Dwight's on the big jumbotron directly behind Marge and he pretends to look away every time she looks at the big giant screen there there's that but then there's the i will say this there's a bit here with mo, mo gets caught peeping and marge in a dressing room why why do you guys yeah I, I feel like that era has passed i mean we get it mo's a creep i don't think we need to reiterate that for the the sake of a cheap gag and especially like, when yeah, well especially when it's marge literally in afraid of uh, being afraid for her life it, it seems like that cheapens the, the the terror somewhat i mean there's just it's just no cleverness to it and it's, it's there's not a lot of jokes i think that's the problem for me like when i think back to like uh like secrets of a successful marriage when mo comes like courting and he's dressed up and has a little flowers and then homer appears and he's disheveled and we get Mo, mo's genuine terror like that's that's funny and it is the same principle like mo has a crush on marge but whatever um finally dwight finally dwight uh catches marge effectively he hides in her car except he doesn't hide her car this is another gag i really like that i can't really capture because marge shows up is in her car (laughs) i like this one dwight dwight pops up from behind the seat except he's in the car next to her that is an identical car that is a good gag i really like it um and then he, he has a gun and he forces her to drive uh, and then they have this little conversation in the in the in the car, which is which I think I kind of wish I actually captured, but it's very short. But it has the thing I laughed at the most. And uh, you know, he, Dwight's like, "Why didn't you visit me, Marge?" You know, and Marge is like, "Oh, I was going to," et cetera, et cetera. And Marge lies to him effectively, and he tells her, "Oh, if that's true, tell me, look me in the eyes, and tell me." And then we get 
Mars looking in Dwight's eyes, and we get a close up, and it is just a close, like as close as humanly possible to Steve Buscemi's face and his weirdo eyes, and I laughed. I can't help it. I laughed at <laughs> at, at Steve Buscemi's eyes. He has big eyes. Oh, he has yeah. unearthly eyes uh, that help has helped his career immensely because it, it really delivers emotion very well, and he is able to play a lot of weird characters because the way he looks and it works because marge immediately is like i can't i can't lie to his face it's too weird looking at him also robbie i just wanted to point out that we've already declared that gil and homer are fake creatures steve buscemi the real steve buscemi not dwight also an actual fake creature who's been around for thousands of years and has decided that humanity is his pet project i mean the guy was a firefighter. I mean, he's here to protect us. Oh, okay. He's a he's a benevolent a benevolent fay. I didn't know they existed. I know, right? It's weird. Okay. He, he's been hanging out with humanity so long. He's like, all right, you know, I need to protect them from themselves. They're too stupid, and they're so hilarious. Let me let me. Okay, wait a second. I'm gonna get a note card. Let me write down benevolent fay <laughs> hiding as famous actor. Oh, is this is a note for your next book? <laughs> Immortal. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm not gonna write. I don't write fantasy. <laughs> um, but Dwight has Marge and is having her take him to an amusement park, and it's not just any amusement park. It is the amusement park where his mother abandoned him. This is a fact we learned earlier in the episode that he was uh, abandoned at an amusement park. He grew up alone, and might be the reason that he fell into a life of crime. And th- and like that, it delivers enough empathy, you know, for Dwight, where you're like, oh man, and they do, and they kind of give you this information with a straight face, and you just take it. And this is and this is the point where you're like, oh, Dwight's not lying; he literally was abandoned in an amusement park, which is like, again, this doesn't feel quite like a Simpsons episode because this it feels so much focused on Dwight and his experience, but it makes it more entertaining, so I'm okay with it. Um, but they end up going to uh, the amusement park and we get some moments with them. Marge, can you please give me the day my mother didn't? Ride some rides, eat some cotton candy, then I'll let you go home. Okay, but I'd, I'd feel better about it if you got rid of the gun. I'd like to, but then you'll leave like she did. Can you at least put it in your jacket? Fine, but I'm still going to make that pointy shape. Krusty, I haven't seen you since that terrifying day. Uh, you'll have to be way more specific. We were hostages at the bank? Oh, yeah. Sorry I offered your life for my safety. <laughs> Look, it's Marge with Dwight. I said there was a spark between them, and you said no way. I saw it. I just didn't feel like talking to you. Wait, something screwy here. I'm calling the cops. Don't bother. They're right over there. Easy, easy. Line up your shot and squeeze it off. Oh, Chief, I think we got a hostage situation over there. Can a man spend one minute with a stuffed monkey? One minute? Monkey would make a better chief. What'd you say? I said the monkey would make a better chief. He's a good monkey, I. All of that is just entirely unnecessary. Yeah, it doesn't really, like... There, this is supposed to be the thing that motivates Wiggum to like get involved um, at the end of this episode. And it's very strange that it's the thing about Lou calling about on a monkey stuffed monkey being a better chief than, than Wiggum. Um, 
And it's very like, you're like, what is this adding? What is this doing? None of this isn't really funny. Uh, Marge and Dwight go on, I think might be my least favorite ride in any amusement park. Is the the Viking ships that go up and down and eventually go around in circles? They just I don't they make me sick. I don't like them. Yeah, it's it's just not funny and not interesting in any way. It's it's fluff to to pad out the episode. Um, but we're getting to the end, man. Thank goodness. It's uh, I'm gonna here when this episode I'm gonna say I'll say this when this episode is focusing on Marge and Dwight, it's good. It is, because they have a very interesting relationship. I mean, it's obviously it's a very strained, stressful relationship. Uh, not what we usually think of a relationship, but their their interactions are interesting. Yes, and when it's not like the scene with Wiggum here, or the, the stuff with uh, scratchy cartoons, like it, those things are, 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 are hibbert and crusty for whatever reason. Homer early on, it lulls. Um margin margin do i go on this 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 viking ship ride and i'm going to try and get this the order of operations here they're on the viking ship ride they like it they enjoy it wiggum notices they're on this ride and see you said wiggum wiggum tries to save them i thought wiggum was trying to arrest i thought wiggum was trying to arrest dwight and in in the process ended up getting the the ride caught i sorry you are you are correct I, i must have mistyped that okay but William tries to. William's trying to arrest Dwight. I don't know why he doesn't just wait for the ride to stop. Doesn't right. make any sense. But uh, the ride gets caught. There's a weird squeaky voice teen variant here with a weird accent and dark skin that I'm just like, whoa. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know what this is. I have no idea. Uh, like, there's these are the things you're like around the edges. You're like, what is that? Why would they do that? Um, I don't know what they're. I don't even know what th- this is. Um. But Wiggum tries to, to stop it and ends up getting caught in the ride, and the ride gets caught because the squeaky, this weird squeaky voice teen ends up breaking the ride. But Wiggum is in danger, and Marge wants Dwight to save Wiggum, uh, and he does. Uh, he he saves the day and goes back to prison, and we get the ending of the episode. Dwight, are you okay, Dwight? It'll be fine. Not you and me fine, but fine. Hey, leave the comedy to me. Okay, funny man, make me laugh. <clears throat> Instead of a carnival ride, what if he was run over by a Zamboni with a mustache? I don't see how. Then I got nothing. Dwight, that was the most unselfish thing I've ever seen. I'm sorry, I didn't visit you before. Hey, March, look at us, the four amigos. They're going to let me do some odd jobs for them on the outside. Listen, outside my cell, I saw one dandelion growing. I picked it for you. Then I pressed it in my Bible to dry. I carved a frame for it out of a bar of soap. Read the inscription on the back. You chat up the guard at the gate while I knife the guard behind me. Mm -hmm. I can't do that, Dwight. I figured you'd say that. But you can keep it, though. Thank you. I think this ending clip here is a microcosm of this whole episode. It really is, because you've got the important relationship between Marge and Dwight being the centerpiece. You've got Homer on the side being a total moron, and it just... The joke isn't funny. The Homer joke's not funny. The Marge joke is sort of funny, uh, but the Marge-Dwight relationship is sweet and interesting. 
you don't even talk about the Hibbert and Krusty bit here. Like, I think that even oh, also, like, that is uh, just like, what's the joke, you know? You, like, those moments you're like, uh, okay. Um, it's an odd ending here. Like, this is an odd relationship, but, and it, and it doesn't, I think there is, I think that's my main complaint. Like, yes, it's not funny, like all those extra bits we've, we highlighted, but you could have used those, those moments to, add in a little bit more introspection and thought about Dwight and Marge and, and deepen like what like why why is Dwight so excited like make it a little bit more than just surface level oh he's lonely make it why is Marge afraid of Dwight like you know like here at the end here especially when they're together you have these long scenes why are we spending time away from them why are we not having scenes where Dwight maybe opens up a little bit and humanizes we humanize dwight a little bit more here this episode is going to be about marge and dwight sure dwight's never going to appear again but if you're going to make the episode about it give it time and i think here at the end is when you could have really had that conversation about marge opening up and saying, this is why i didn't want to go i was really scared and dwight's like yeah i know i'm i understand that i can be frightening uh but i'm also just very lonely and i think you know like have them be human towards each other and they kind of don't really get that until this very last scene and it kind of makes episode not it could have been good it's on it it's it's on the brink of the of being good and instead it's kind of it's all right it's okay mediocre but i will say this matt mediocre is leagues ahead <laughs> of just of any other episode in season 19 yeah just just the 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 bar is set so low this episode can clear it by making me go oh that wasn't so bad i'm in a good mood today i'm not upset like sure this episode is like bad stuff in it and stuff that's not funny etc etc but i enjoyed it i'll say that i don't have to it doesn't episode doesn't have to be good for me to enjoy it no at this point it just needs to be competent and then (laughs) obvious yes uh we will rank it at the end of the show oh sorry that's why you're waiting on me how how many matt how long have we done this segment? And how I many keep times? I you to play a clip. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay, Robbie, is this episode broken? No, I'll confidently say no. It's not broken. It has flaws. Yeah, it has flaws. It has things that could be better, but no, I don't think it's broken either. It's not broken. It works. Um, which is another low bar that it clears. Uh, therefore, we can move on to our next segment. It's time for comments of the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Guys, news group is where I ask our patrons to leave their thoughts in their... Give me a second, Matt. Sorry about that. Cats were engaging in open warfare in my office. <laughs> uh, and they're both angry right now. Um, Comments news group is where I ask our patrons for their thoughts, their feelings about an episode. You can join our Patreon and leave your review as well. First from Tim. I was all prepared to hate this, and the frequency of Jerk Homer in the first act made me think, oh no. But this is one case where it indeed got better, even if the bank robbery scene was more than a bit farcical. The idea that Marge would make up lame reasons to avoid seeing C. Buscemi in prison seemed totally plausible, particularly the changing out of light bulb coils. Ted Nugent was used in the best way possible, that is to say, quickly. We even mentioned Ted Nugent, who was in the prison scene during it. He was on a phone call, and it was very quick. Um... To continues, and I have to admit, I like the itchy and scratchy video, especially at a time when we don't really, when we don't know when we'll get baseball again. That is also true. They're probably about to go on strike. Uh, I'll place this at number two seventy nine. Oh yeah, Julia Louis Dreyfus is in this. Really? Can't remember that at all. It is very much a blink and you miss it. 
uh, from Lauren. I'm not sure how to feel about this one. Bank robberies, neglectful mothers, and hostage situations are topics I don't want in a Simpsons episode. It was heavy and pretty dark with no jokes to lighten it. On the flip side, it contained only one inciting incident, and the plot started. Marge coming up with excuses not to go to prison got a smile. That was about it. I leave this episode a shock value of five. Five? Man, listeners, they, I think they've listened to me too much, man. <laughs> uh, from Derek. Had absolutely zero recollection of this one going in, which I think is always telling. Yep, would well, you know it? Pretty unremarkable. I love Marge in a lot of her episodes, and the Golden Years are among my favorites, but they're all pretty much damp squibs from the teen years onwards. I already had a Marge convict plot in season 12. That wasn't a particularly stimulating out- outing either. Also, I answered the wasted potential guest star of Question of the Week two weeks back with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and said they'd bring her back for a line in season 20, but I guess it was actually season 19. I'm firing myself for that colossal blunder. It's okay. You'll forgive you. Uh, from Benjamin, this didn't even feel like a Simpsons episode. The tone was strange, and the music reminded me of, it, of Hitchcock films a little. Never understood why March cared so much about visiting in prison. Was there a pre-agreed-upon date for her to go I missed? Her motivations just didn't make any sense to me. Even the itchy and scratchy in this one was bad. I hated this just due to the tone and suspension of disbelief required to get through it. Uh, from Deadman736, not a fan of this episode used to play on repeat on Canadian channels, so when I saw it, I knew I had to, I knew it to change the channel. It's completely terrible. I've seen much worse. I don't like these March and Prisoner episodes to happen more than you would think. Overall boring and bad if I were to rank it on your list of the year on 354. He also goes on to say that his name was indeed taken from The Undertaker. He confirms our, our, our beliefs. Uh, or mine, at least. Uh, finally, from JJ. This was at least a slight improvement over the first three of the season. Tonally, it was a little weird for a Simpsons episode. At least that makes it more interesting than most teen episodes. The start is dragged down by typical Yana-dosing Homer gags, but thankfully he fades into the background by the end of Act 1. I think I'd put this on par with the other Marge Friends of Convict episode, Pokemon. Episodes which are watchable but flawed. I did laugh at the Simpsons alarm code being printed in the newspaper. I must admit this Kit Brockman line is pretty great. The escapee left a note saying he will turn himself in after he takes care of one unfinished, one unfinished business. Police have issued a statement saying that seems more than fair. Which, that derails all the the bit about them not trying to arrest him. At. They just, they went, oh, it's fine, let him do that one thing. Uh, okay, fair, fair, you're right. Um... Thank you, everyone who left a review. We appreciate you both for supporting us and for watching these season nineteen episodes with with us for the being with us for the ride. Uh, we can move on to our next segment: is listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow. KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog. We have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener question of the week this week is: What is your favorite children's movie? Matt, take it away. All right, first up, from Alex, Back to the Future trilogy, hands down. Oh, very true. Uh, from Lauren, Beauty and the Beast, the animated 1991, where Bill can actually sing. Ouch. Ooh. Take that, Emma Watson. Did, did Emma actually, uh, did Emma Watson actually sing? Did they, I thought they got she a, did, yeah. Oh, okay. As okay. far as I know. All right. Yeah, that's that's why it's not great. Because Emma Watson, <laughs> as great as an actress as she is, not the greatest singer. I mean, she did better than I could ever be, but that's not saying much. Yeah. Uh, from Andy, uh, any of the Toy Story movies? Oh, very true. Uh, from Derek, this is hard. I watched so many films over and over again as a kid, I don't want to choose between them. How about I narrow it down to Matilda and the Goonies and you decide for me? Cheers. Between those, obviously, Matilda. Yeah, Robbie Matilda, Matilda is... T- I, yes, Mat- I, I'm not... That's not a... Derek, that's yeah, the, Matilda the, is fantastic. That's not, that's not much of a Sophie's choice for me, As a, also as a... A gifted child. I didn't have psychic powers like Matilda does. But... I was say, do you have telekinesis? Oh my goodness! I mean, that'd be pretty awesome, but no. But I did, you know, as a as a precocious child. There were moments where I was like, I wish. 
people were. <laughs> also, you really love chocolate cake. I mean, yes, I can't. I, like they're like I watch that scene now. I'm like, oh, the dream. That's a. That's, that's... <laughs> you need a giant chocolate cake. <laughs> I just get a scene. cake. Oh, I get a whole cake God. just me, and I get to. I have to eat it. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! I was so terrible. Alright, uh, so, uh, continuing, uh, from Benjamin, Toy Story. Mm, lots of votes for that one. I can see a trend starting here. Uh, from Tim, the 2011 Muppets film, appropriate for kids and didn't put me to sleep. Mm. Uh, from Deadman736, it's a cheat, I know, but I'm just going to say Pixar movies, because whenever you were a kid and you saw that bouncing lamp, you knew it was going to be a good movie. Damn, all these people are so young, Robbie. Jeez. I know, it's just like, <laughs> I watched most of those Pixar movies, I was very firmly an adult. You yeah, exactly children. the same. <laughs> <You> <laughs> children. <laughs> Uh, from Casey, uh, the two VHS tapes that I needed two copies of after breaking both from overuse were Muppet Classic Theater and the Gumby movie. I still revisit both from time to time, and they both hold up. They feature great music and are so wild and colorful. Definitely a great introduction to either franchise for smaller kids. Interesting. Okay. Uh, from Matt, Energy Turtle, Mary Poppins. I loved that movie so much as a kid and have only grown to love it more as an adult. I even loved the sequel, if only because I got to be in the world again. Still haven't seen that sequel. Need to. Uh, from at L Columbia 88, the brave little toaster. I love that movie so much. The songs are super awesome. I got toaster and blankie tattooed on my arm for all time. Oh, that's adorable. A lot of that. That's some dedication. It is. It is. Uh, from at Wastecast, I want to answer Jurassic Park since Grandpa took it to me when I was four. <laughs> Pretty sure that doesn't count. So I'll go with the more age appropriate land before time, which probably got me hyped for Jurassic Park in the first place. Ooh, that is quality right there. Uh, from at Roger K 999, old yeller. Uh, from that, that wow, Old Yeller. Oh boy, it's a children's okay. movie. Old Yeller is a children's movie. It is, movie. but mm, if, you, if you want to grow up, <laughs> all right. <laughs> from and finally, from at that JD one, The Witches, which I don't know what that is. Robbie, do you? That's the one, Matt. I know. Yeah, I know the witches. Like you think Old okay. Yeller is a movie that will disturb you as a kid. Watch The Witches. The Witches is up there with like the return with Return to Oz, with like kid movies that were released in the eighties, which. I believe were basically created to disturb children and give them nightmares and like, Oh, it's a kid's movie. No, it's not. It's a kid's movie made by a bunch of people on cocaine. So they have no idea what kids would actually like. Which is, which is a movie, but it is very disturbing. Even to this day, I watch the witches and I go, ah, uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> right. Robbie, what is your answer? Uh, I have two. I have two that immediately spring to mind, and picking between them is real hard. Um, okay. Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, OG. Oh, quality. I love. I love Adventures of Winnie the Pooh because it it just it warms the cockles of my heart. I watch. I watch. I could watch it t- t- today, and it just makes me feel good and nice inside. And it has lots of fun animation and heffalumps and woozles, fun songs. I love all the characters. Um, but the other one. That I, I'm. That's that's the everyone knows Winnie the Pooh. I'm gonna highlight uh, a, a lesser known children's movie that I think you should go check out even as an adult, and that is Chuck Jones' version of Ricky Tikki Tavi. Uh, that that is it's a just half hour long. Um, in mid the '60s, it's a animated version of Rudyard Rud, Rud, Rud Kipling's story. Um, and as a little kid watching that movie. Yeah, colonialism, colonialism is bad. I I know Roger Kipling is aged very poorly, <laughs> but it's a story about a mongoose fighting cobras. Okay, that is what Ricky Tikitavi is about. It's about 
That is very metal to it's Young Robin. It's very freaking awesome. It's about mongoose fighting cobras, and as a little kid, even then, I was like, this is awesome. This mongoose is fighting cobras, defending his family. It is, and it, it, it was a little kid, I'm like, I want a pet mongoose, even though that is impossible. <laughs> you cannot have a pet mongoose in Florida, especially, you know, but maybe in Florida, there's probably our people with pet mongoose because there's a lot of crazy people in Florida. But Ricky Tiki Tavi, the animation is still good. It's Chuck Jones, so of course it looks great. And it is largely, it's mostly just a story about a mongoose fighting cobras, guys. It does, like, all the <laughs> Kipling, all that Kipling baggage, not really there. It's great. Go hunt it down. Matt, what is your answer? Honestly, and this is once again going to show my age, but the one movie I happened to see over and over again as a kid that we didn't actually own was Empire Strikes Back. Uh, and if you've ever been a kid in the 80s, the idea of running around with a laser sword and you know being telekinetic uh, is pretty friggin' awesome. Uh, so yeah, that, that somehow... I swear it was on TBS every Saturday afternoon. Never, I didn't see episode four until I was in high school. All I ever saw was was Empire. I don't know why. It was the same with Return of the Jedi. I only saw Empire for at least five or six years of my life when I was a little kid, and I was like, "This is the most awesome thing ever." I mean, it led me to actually reading all of the extended universe stuff. Matt, you were just. I'm like for a while, for a while. I was like, "Well, that's the one to see." You're gonna pick literally yeah, a single Star Wars movie. Of all of them, that is the one you go watch. But then you went on to read all that fan fiction, effectively, <laughs> where Chewie gets killed by a moon, and I'm not even less. Uh huh. You you you. I mean, it it's on it's on brand for you, Matt. I think you you you. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. You. you you're you are you 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 remain you throughout your life. That's not changed. <laughs> <laughs> next week's question what's your favorite steve buscemi movie is it is it big lebowski oh, is, gonna be a tough one. is it fargo is it armageddon everyone's favorite oh man armageddon's a fantastic movie <laughs> yeah okay man whatever you say <laughs> it's a very stupid movie i can agree with i can say that that can is yeah. very fun because it's so oh, stupid absolutely. i mean they have a chain gun on this meteor why do they have that matt Robbie, don't you know every spaceship has to have some sort of gun on it? That, that it's, not, no it's, it's not cool enough. They're going on a mission to go like blow up a meteor, and they have a chain gun? Uh-huh. Obviously, Robbie. Obviously. Animal Ben Affleck. God almighty. How does Ben Affleck have a career after that movie? Animal Crackers. Get okay, out of here. Well, okay. You know, I'm, I'm fine with Ben Affleck having a career directing. I'm trying to figure out how does he still get a job as an actor? People recognize him. That's true, and that's, that's a lot I, of what it I, is, apparently. I think that's what it is. Uh, so that's next week's question. I'll post it on our social media, Twitter, at SimpsonsTripPod. You can email us at SimpsonsTripPod at gmail.com and uh, answer the question on our Patreon. Just again, patreon.com slash the Simpsons Show. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for the No Google Should Be Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. The no Google trivia challenge where Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions: one measy, one me- one measy, one easy, one medium, one hard, and try and stump the other. Matt has a six-point lead on me, which is really upsetting. Don't like that. Barely anything. Okay. Uh, you ready for an easy question, Matt? I am ready. Homer makes a business out of what discovery in Pokemon? I I believe. 
there have been so many over the years. I believe that is the episode with his spino cylinder. That is correct. Okay, yes. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> I went with the other episode of Marge in Prison. Uh, what For what crime is Marge imprisoned in Marge in Chains? Uh, she steals bourbon, I believe, or alcohol. Correct. Shoplifting. Shoplifting, yeah. Accidentally. She doesn't intend to. Of course, of course. Uh, your meaning question, what is the name of the convict that Marge befriends in Pokemon? Oh, gosh. Um, Puma Pride. Puma Pride is all I can hear in my head. Um, Jack Crowley. Ah! <laughs> I didn't think you'd get the last name. Oh, well, they just say it. I, I, I'll, what I'm remembering is Skinner saying it. Jack Crowley. I should have. I should have. Such a disdain. I should have. Okay, well, okay, Matt. This is, would be the alternative question. Who voices Jack uh -huh. Crowley? Oh, that I have no clue. You should have asked that. God! <laughs> it's Michael Keaton. Oh, that's it. What's my medium right. question? Your your medium question. What is the nickname of the large woman that Marge befriends in jail? Prison, technically. Um, her nickname is... I want to say it's like a type... It's a weapon. She used it to kill her husband, I think. Um, oh, what was it? Is it like a knife? It's not stiletto. It's not switchblade. It's not Bowie. It's not... Maybe it wasn't knife. It was... Was it a tirehead or crowbar? Now I'm just naming the marble villains. From the Wrecking Crew, um, <laughs> I like the Wrecking. Okay. I like the Wrecking Crew. Matt. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna apologize for that. I like the Wrecking. Hey, crew. Robbie, have we gone over on this podcast how the Wrecking Crew got their powers? Uh, please enlighten our listeners. If I remember correctly, uh, they were gifted ancient Asgardian weapons by Loki to who had Thor, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Like, so they were. Yep. It was an ancient Asgardian crowbar. I believe. They were transmuted, transmutated into human form weapons, but they weren't. But they are, oh, okay. they are mythical as guardian weapons. Yes, um, so they got. Yes, that is the, the Wrecking Crew got their powers. Okay, uh, it's very silly. Um, uh, what is? I kill. I she killed her husband, and that's how she got her name. Crowbar. I'm gonna say crowbar. I don't think that's right. Uh, you're so close. It's Phillips for a Phillips head screwdriver. Phillips head screwdriver. Ah! Uh, I should have known that. Okay, Matt. This is a very hard question. According to the lunch menu on the wall, what do the kids eat on Friday in the cafeteria? Uh, I mean, pizza? I have no idea. They make a joke about pizza. They say kids really like pizza on Thursdays. So we're going to move it to Tuesday. And they, I, think uh -huh. they'll I think they'll follow it. It's a joke about programming television. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, but what they well, eat on Fridays Friday. is mystery fish, goulash, and pudding. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yep. I mean, half the time when you're eating fish, it's mystery fish, and we're like, it's a white fish. Okay. Uh, okay. Tilapia. I love tilapia. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've asked this question before, Robbie. So you may have a chance at oh, this. God. What is the name of Quiggy Mart's parent company? <laughs> no idea, Matt. Nothing. Got nothing. <laughs> All right. It is Nordine Defense Dynamics. Nordine Defense Dynamics. Sorry. NDD, indeed. Okay. Nope. Got no. I. I like. I could have guessed it was like some big corporation, easily, but not gonna remember that whatsoever. I'm still dumb. Matt has even ex extended this lead on me. At this point, Matt is just gonna beat me by like forty points or something. You know. Nah. We're gonna have to. We're gonna lose all the drama halfway through the season. That's probably gonna happen. 
Uh, that's it for trivia. We can move on to our final seg- segment in every single episode. It's time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the partial where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically as we watch them chronologically, eventually compile a list of every episode ever, and how good they are. Okay. Okay, Matt. Woof, woof, woof. Where, <laughs> where is Pokemon? Oh, that's a good point, because I think this is better than that. This is po- This is better than Pokemon. Let's find Pokemon. Hold control F. Pokemon is number 213. I think this is better wow. than Pokemon. I would agree with you on that one. But it's probably not that much better. Um, no, no. I mean, well, we got a whole bunch of season one episodes, a couple of season two episodes, and I'm not sure it gets that high. I think it's better. Maybe. It's better than New Kids on the Black. Yeah. New Kids, it's better than Day of the Jack and Apes. Mm-hmm. Those are directly above it. Um, and then we have Bart the General, Itchy and Scratchy and Marge, The War of the Simpsons, Krusty gets busted in the front. Um, Honestly, I like this episode uh, more than I thought, but I'm not sure it gets above Itchy and Scratchy and Marge. Bart the General, yeah, season one, they're still you know getting their footing and everything. But Itchy and Scratchy and Marge is a pretty good episode overall. I'm going to, I don't, I'm going to say, I don't have any particular affection for itchy and scratchy and march and i think this is better than okay itchy. i think this is better than itchy and scratchy and march i honestly think this is better than the front which is maybe my least favorite season four episode it probably is it the, really is it, yeah it, it, it's kind of a it's fine because yeah, re- really the, the war of the simpsons and itchy and scratchy and march are the only ones i was kind of met on because above that you got crusty gets busted the front and papa's got a brand new badge i'm just like eh, eh. Those I just you know I would not put it above Simpson and Delilah. I think that's my my limit. I think that's a I think that's that's I think that is also I would not put it above Simpson and Delilah either. I think Simpson and Delilah is better. Um, there's spelling as fast as I can. Papa's got a brand new badge. Which is Papa's got a brand new badge? Is that which one is that? Spring Shield, I believe, where Homer becomes a private cop. I I know that happened, Matt. But trying to for my brain to remember that is. Also, uh, while you're looking that up, Robert, I want to uh, elucidate on the origin of the Wrecking Crew. Apparently, the Wrecker uh, got his power from Carnilla the Norn Queen when she thought he was Loki, Loki and gave him super strength. But then, uh, at one point, uh, his magic crowbar was hit by a bolt of lightning while being held uh, by some other men. And they uh, all, all got the, it split the power among them. And so they are the Wrecking Crew. I would put this below. Papa's got a brand new badge. I, would, I think that's where I would put this. That sounds pretty good, because, uh, I mean, I, I don't know why, but I really don't like The Front. It just It's just a weird season four episode. The, well, it just, the, the Front uh, is, and it's the same reason I don't like Itchy and Scratchy and Marge, really. It feel and like a lot of those, Homer, Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie is the first one that actually works for me. Uh, and it works very well. Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie is great. But a lot of the time, they for the, the all the golden years that i they did a lot of itchy and scratchy episodes itchy and scratchy focused episodes like itchy and scratchy marge is about censorship the front is about itchy and scratchy like it's about like creating and and stuff and like credit and like a lot of in jokes and meta commentary about cartooning and television and stuff and i just never works for me i just don't think they're that funny and they're kind of boring and uh they're very ham-fisted about oh this is about like like show businesses and stuff like that and like you guys do that all the time with normal episodes you don't need to make a whole episode about you know having to write stuff like i get it guys yeah being a comedy writer is so hard such a hard job um so that that's very high matt for a season 18 episode i would say extremely high i mean that that bested a season four episode it's the worst season four episode but you know 
And I just want to point out, it is below margin chains, which we have at 199. Oh, margin chains is better than this. So I agree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that's I Don't Want to Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, a new number 206 on our list, a uh, new number 37 on our post golden years ranking so pretty good pretty good ranking i don't know if we're ever gonna i don't know if another season 19 episode is gonna even get that high um we do have to answer a single question before we finish our episode and that is do we shoot this episode out of the cannon the cannon the cannon the cannon the cannon no no we don't need to no, I don't think there's any reason to. I mean, this is, it's not a great episode, but, you know, it doesn't hurt anything. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's in the 200s. It's not, you know, it's not great. It's okay. It's half decent. I'd watch it again. That's, I think that's what I'm at, like, where I'm at when I'm like, I'd watch the episode again. I thought I really enjoyed it. I'd watch it again. You know, it doesn't have to be good for me to watch it again. Um, So, yeah, it's part of the canon. Uh, we're working our way to the top of our list working our way down we're now number number 85 at the two mrs nahasapima pedalons uh from season nine i mean yes this episode is great i mean it is an apu episode uh but it is the uh the uh i believe it's the introduction of uh manjula, manjula uh, mm-hmm. who it was a good character i really enjoyed <laughs> we'll probably never see it again probably not um, but yeah, do not the two misses Nahasami and Babelonzi are it's a good episode. It's fun. It's it's a season nine episode. It's still pretty ranked pretty high for us. But um this is before they just abandoned trying to write episodes. Uh, <laughs> as the seasons went on. Uh season nine they still had they still tried for half the season. So <laughs> they tried. They tried. Um our next episode, Matt, we're 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 wrapping up. Next episode is Trias of Horror. Trias of Horror eighteen. Oh boy, we'll see how this one does. We get uh, an E.T. parody, we get a Mr. and Mrs. Smith parody, and we get um, something called Heck House. We have a, oh, this is a uh, some sort of Ned Flanders making a Christian uh, yes, of course. Hell House haunted house thing. Uh, that'll be our th- the third uh, selection. Of that. I've never watched this trail so far, so I'm excited to see how it does. So trail so far are always easy watches, even when they're terrible. That's so, true. So that's good. Um, that'll do it for us uh, today. We are are online. Our website, SimpsonsShow.com, has links to all the things we get up to, all, all, all our links, our Twitter, our Patreon, which we'd love for you to pledge and support us there. We'd love to get a bunch of bonus stuff along the way. Uh, and our RSS feed is also linked there. Uh, you can find me online on Twitter, at Robbie Dorman, my website is my name robbydarman.com i'm now on facebook again i have a facebook writing uh, authors fan page you can go follow me there if you want to um you can also subscribe to my newsletter which is robbydarman.com newsletter and get two free ebooks just for signing up two free books and they're good books too they are good books they are they, they are they're both they're not throwaway books they're both very good um my my website also has links to all of my novels. There's nine of them now. My newest is What Dwells Beneath the Waves. It's Carl Heiss and meets H.P. Lovecraft of a uh, mystery in the Florida Keys and on the brink of a hurricane approaching. It's a great book. You should go buy it. You should read it. I'm going to have a new book out soon. I'm waiting on the cover for it. And I'll reveal it and I'll start plugging it here. And you guys can get tired of me uh, trying to tell you to <laughs> buy my book. Uh, Matt does not participate in social media. You will not find him. That's true. I spend all of my time taking care of kittens who are, even as we speak, trying to destroy my shoelaces. 
but that's okay because they're very cute. And you can see the cutest at uh, Kitten Turns on Instagram, K-T-T-I-N-T-E-R-N-S. Uh, just w- be, find yourself a wash in the cuteness. And I'm sure we'll have new kittens any day because these guys are all adopted. Sorry, guys. That's the beauty of kittens, man. There's always more of them. There are unfortunately always more of them. Uh, that'll do it for us. I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. You keep watching the subs. Shh.